Hello again. We are wrapping up our message series today that we're calling Into Our World because we've been looking at the good that flows from Jesus stepping into our world and the implications for his followers of that. Uh, So, so far we looked at how Jesus stepped in uh, to our world to meet our deepest needs uh, by his grace. God could have given up on us. You know, Scripture tells us that everybody decided to go it on their own and try to live life independent from God. Uh, God could have left us alone, but He made an epic move. That's what Scripture says. He made an epic move and He stepped into our world in the person of Jesus Christ, not to give us what we deserve, but to give us what we really need by His grace. So that's... That's something that Christ followers do as well. We step into our world to give the people around us not what they deserve, but what they need. And so we, we do that in honor of Him and what He's done in our life. Second week, we looked at the need to step down and how Jesus is the ultimate example of humility. Uh, he... He showed, Jesus showed maximum humility by taking on human limitations. And Christ's followers are commanded to show, we, there's no way we can show that extent of humility. But we're, we're called as well to give up our expectations and put the needs and interests of others above our own. And to take a position, a mental position of lower importance and lesser privilege to show love to the people that God puts in our lives. Today, we're looking at an important aspect of all this, and and we're looking at how we need to step out. Um, This is an important thing to understand, uh, that by stepping into our world, Jesus gave us everything we need to face our fears, to, to deal with life, to fulfill God's purpose in our lives. And so we follow him in this as well, and it's an important part of the Christmas celebration, what Jesus has done to help us deal with life, and as we put our faith in him, how that helps us. Uh, There's a prominent pastor in the country who told a story about putting his daughter uh, to sleep one night. He was was tucking her in, and she was was scared, you know, I don't know, the the boogeyman, or she was afraid of something. And uh, she told him she was afraid. And he, he, you know, acknowledged that she was afraid. And he said, well, you know, God is right here with you. And she said, yeah, I know, but I want someone with skin on. <laughs> and, and actually, that's what, that's what God did in the person of Jesus Christ. He put skin on and became a part of our world. And so it's as we look at what he did by stepping into our world and then stepping out to trust God as he lived in the world that we learn how to follow him. There's something very important in this for us. God stepped into our messy world in the person of Jesus Christ. He lived, he died, and he rose again, which means that he's alive still to step into our world and help us do what he wants. And that's actually when... Christianity comes alive when you step out to do what God wants. Um, it, it can become very bland if you stay in your head. But when you step out, that's when 
things come alive. Your, your relationship to God begins to really make sense and make a difference. At one point, Jesus told his disciples how to know and experience God. He said, you, you experience me by obeying my commandments. That, that's, he said, you get to know me better. That's how you know I'm real, is when you, you step out and obey his commandments. And the reason that is is because whenever you step in, out in faith to do what God wants, it's almost always the opposite of our knee-jerk tendencies and our reflexes. And so you leave yourself in a vulnerable position, and you have to trust God to come through for you. And that makes you, that makes you alive. I mean, that's like, wah You know, when you have something to do that is, is sort of a stretch out of your comfort zone or a little scary, what happens? You know, things start happening inside here. And it's, it can be, there could be a little fear, there could be adrenaline, but boy, the adrenaline, man, that's what, you're alive. That's when it's happening. And that's how it is when we step out to follow God, that's when we begin to know Him. That's when we begin to know His reality. It's not just, that way it's not just black and white or even red letters on a page. It's, it's actually this is God who's coming through for me as I do something that may or may not make complete sense to me natively. But he comes through every time. For example, we, there's a tendency to really judge others that sort of mess with us. You know, there's this tendency to, to judge them. And if we stop judging them and give grace to them, then who's going to make sure that I get justice? Who's going to make sure that I, my... My opinions are heard. Who, who's going who's gonna to make sure that I actually am taken care of? And the answer is, if you, trust, if you trust the Lord, if you follow Jesus Christ, you trust God to do that. So you stop judging, and you give grace, and you have to trust God to bring justice. Now, that doesn't mean you just let everything go and don't draw boundaries, and you know sometimes they're damaging situations and relationships that we need to draw boundaries. But we aren't judging all the time and, and demanding that people do it our way. If we humbly look to the interests of others, we looked at that uh, the second week of this series, if we humbly look to the interests of others and we set ourselves to serve them, who's going to look to my interests? Who's going to look to my needs? And the answer is God. He's promised to do that. Is as you set yourself to love, it actually works the exact opposite of what we think. We tend to think, if I can just bring it all in here and get it all, then my needs are going to be met. But actually, it's the opposite. As you refresh others, you get refreshment. That's the way it actually works. I read a book this week, and I'm trying to bring it to mind because I wasn't planning on sharing it with you, but his definition of maturity was great. It was maturity is the ability to see and act on behalf of others. That's actually a very biblical definition. The ability to see and act on the other's behalf. Well, you know, we don't start out that way. We start out, I want mine, you know. That's the way we start out. So going on, if we identify with Christ and try to share our faith with others, what if we're misunderstood? 
What if they sort of ridicule? What if they walk away and they sort of mumble some things about us? Who's going to take care of our reputation? Who's going to do that? Well, God is. We need faith for that. If we give generously to others, to the, the cause of Christ, to extend the kingdom, if we give generously, who's going to take care of our needs? Who's going to do it? Who's going to provide for our future? And God clearly has promised to do that. This is, this is when it comes alive. It, when you step out in faith to do what God's told you to do, it comes alive. Your walk with him. Uh, each step of obedience, whether it's a baby step or a giant leap, is an act of faith. And that's how you find out God really is who he says he is. So if you're investigating Christianity, um, following Christ above everything else means you, you do what he tells you to do. That, that's, that's what you do. Um, it, it won't mean anything if you don't trust him enough to do what he says. Honestly, it won't. That's, that's what it means to follow Christ. If, if you're following Christ and your walk with him has become kind of bland, stale, sort of like oatmeal without anything in it. I love oatmeal. I love my little pack I put in. I put in this trail mix. It's awesome. But without the trail mix and a little brown sugar, it's pretty boring, okay? Oatmeal, bland. Your walk with God can get like that. It, it can be very bland. It will not taste any better until you step out to do what God's telling you to do. That's, that's where it comes alive. That's where it begins to taste really good. So if, if God's telling you to do something and you're not doing it, then that, that may be why your, your walk is bland. Maybe why it's where it is. Here, here's what I know. If you only do things you can do on your own power, you never experience God. You never experience his power because you don't need it. That's, that's the way it works. It, 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 and so we have this pull in us to pull back away from the challenging things in life, the stretching things that God asks us to do. But that's where the life is. It's out there as we step out. So today what we're going to do is we're going to look at some guys that you see pictures of all the time at Christmas. And we're going to look at their example of how they followed God's direction and they stepped out uh, to do what he showed them to do. And they show us how to experience God. Uh, if your walk is still, this is for you. If, if you want to know God, that he's real, this, this today, if you're investigating what it means to follow him, this message today will show you a core part of what it takes to find out he's real. Um, and then we're going to wrap up with a pattern that Jesus showed us in one of his followers, John. We've been looking at John a couple times in this series, and we're going to wrap up with the pattern he gave us for, for following him in 1 John. So first of all, we're going to look at the example of the, the wise men. You see these guys uh, in nativity scenes all the time. There's usually shepherds and wise men or kings. Their, their royalty, and in this, in this nativity scene, you can see on, on the left-hand side, uh, the shepherds and the kings. They didn't actually show up at the same time. So this, 
But this is representative of what happened. So I'm not trying to ruin your nativity scene if you have one. We love them. We've got them. They're all together. Okay. Um, but the, the wise men, it took them several months to find the baby. And um, so they were traveling around and they were looking for him. And uh, we aren't given a whole lot of detail about them. We don't know a lot about the wise men. Uh, we don't even know that there we typically say there were three, but we don't know that there were three. There may have been more. There may have been less. Maybe there were two. That's wise men. There's two of them. So we're not really sure. The word in the original language that the Bible was written in for wise men is magi. And that refers to eastern wise men, um, priests, astrologers who were experts at interpreting dreams. So they paid attention to the stars. And they, they were actually royal advisors in the East. And so that's who these men were. And the fact that they came to worship Jesus from the East, from another country other than Israel, shows us that Jesus was not only the king of the Jews. He, he was the king of the nations. So that's, that's one of the things God's trying to communicate with these wise men who came to, to visit him is that he, he's not just for the Jewish people. He, he's for everyone. And so that's a big signal. Let's read about their story, and then we're going to turn to the pattern Jesus gave us. Matthew 2, 1 through 12, says, Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born the king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose, and have come to worship him. The men saw the star. They realized it was God directing them to someone important, and they packed their bags and moved out. So they got direction from God, and they did something about it. They stepped out. The journey itself was challenging and dangerous, but when God shows us what to do, we do it. That's that's what his followers do. Then it goes on. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled, actually He was threatened. This guy was ruthless. And all Jerusalem with him and assembling all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the child was to be born. They told him in Bethlehem of Judea, for so it is written by the prophet. So he's finding out where he's he's being born because he perceives this is a threat to his throne. Now, Herod was a governor of Judea. He was appointed by Rome. So he was under the emperor. He served under the emperor. At this time, he had ruled Judea, that portion of Israel, uh, for 34 years. So he'd ruled for 34 years. He maintained his rule by shrewdly and ruthlessly stomping out all the other competitors. So a competitor, his rule would rise up. (laughs) He took you out. That was his way. That's what he did. So when he heard of Jesus' birth, he starts scrambling to assess the threat, to find out where the baby is going to be born so he could do something about it. And then it goes on that Herod summoned the wise men secretly and ascertained from them what the star, uh, what time the star had appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem saying, go and search diligently for the child. And when you have found him, bring me word that I may come and worship him. Of course, this is a ruse. He's not going to come and worship the baby. He's coming to take the baby out. And so that's why he wanted to know. 
After listening to the king, it says, they went on their way. And behold, the star that they had seen when it rose went before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they fell down and worshipped him. Then opening their treasures, they offered him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. Very expensive, very costly gifts. So they followed God's direction. And then when they arrived to, to where the baby was born, uh, where the baby was living, they honored him by giving something costly. And that's what we do as we follow Christ. When, when we give our, our time and our money and our lives, we're, we're doing the same thing. Then it goes on, this is the last verse I want to look at. After being warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed to their own country by another way. This, this statement is a key example for us here. They, they heard from God in a dream. And then they obeyed him at great risk to themselves because Herod was looking for them. He was furious. If you go on in verse 16 of this same passage, he, he gets furious that they tricked him and they dodged him. And so he is going to hunt them down and try to take them out as well. So they obey God at a great risk to themselves. And this is what Christ followers do. We listen to God and then we do his will. No matter how much of a risk it is. And we show our love for God this way. This is how we love God, by doing what he tells us to do. God sent the wise men to show that Jesus is royalty. Their example of stepping out in faith to do what God says is something that we all, who are followers of Christ, should do. And Jesus led the way in this. He, he led the way in stepping out in faith to sacrifice. So the great thing, if you decide to follow Christ, the great thing is, is there's, he's, he's, he's paved the way. He has shown us the way to do that. He has given the ultimate sacrifice, and he's given us the pattern to follow. And I'd like to take a look at his example as it's described by John, one of his closest disciples, in 1 John 3, 16 through 18, and then we're going to use this to wrap up the message today. Um, 1 John 3, 16 18 says, By this we know love that he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers. But if anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? Little children, let us love, uh, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed or truth. So, we have this backdrop of the wise men who God showed them something and they did it. And this is, this is the pattern for all Christ followers. We don't love in word only, but in deed and in truth. This is how we show love. This is what we do. This is how we move out. The wise men showed their love and respect for God by taking action, and that's how we show our love to God, by doing what he says. Christ followers take action to show love to others in faith. It always, real love is costly. Jesus sacri- he laid down his life for us. He sacrificed for, for others. 
he laid down his life. And it's always a stretch. It's always an act of faith when we give ourselves to really show love to others. And John's saying it's not enough just to talk about faith. That's cheap. Christ followers do what God's showing them to do. And they do it right away as he shows them. It's easy to stay inside your own head in the faith. It's easy to, you know, start walking with Christ or see it as something that's just all in here. You know, with everything that's going on in the world and the problems and struggles, it's very easy to go into a cocoon with Jesus and me and mine. I just want to stay in here. You know, it's, it's cozy, it's nice, it's warm. I like it in here. You know, we're freezing at 61 today. Hi. You know, in California, we're freezing. We want to stay inside. You know, we want to bundle up. And, and that's, that's basically what we want to do. We want to stay cozy with Jesus and me and mine, my family, my friends. But what Jesus does over and over and over again, if you're following him, is he leads you to step out and connect and engage with other people. This event that we're talking about in history, the birth of Christ, is uh, likely, C.S. Lewis says it's the most important event in history. It's the most important event in Christianity. It's, It's referred to as the incarnation, which means God put on flesh to become a human being. And C.S. Lewis says it is the template, it's the pattern, it's the template for all of his followers. And this is what he says about it. He says, the central miracle asserted by Christians is the incarnation. They say that God became man. Every other miracle prepares for this or exhibits this or results from this. As, As people who follow Jesus... His move toward humanity shapes our lives. What he did shapes our lives. It means that we move toward others even when it costs us, even when it's costly and expensive. This type of living requires real faith because you're using your resources for others and who's going to pay this back? (laughs) Who's going to do this for me? As As I mentioned, if you and I only attempt... Uh, to do what we can do on our own, we don't need God. We don't need his power. We don't experience it either. And I, I want to know God better. I want to know him. I, I, I want to watch him really come through for me and help with things I'm doing that are outside of what I would normally do. And he comes through in extremely tangible ways as we do that. So to experience him, we have to step out in faith. We have to do the good for the coworker that God's laid on our heart or brought to our mind. We have to do it. You know, sometimes we have things come to mind, oh, I really should do that, and we just, but we do it. We stretch. And sometimes when you do good in our world, people sort of are suspicious of that, and you have to fight through it. But either way, you do the good that comes to mind. We need to ask forgiveness rather than sweeping it under. Now, that is scary. You know, getting, you, you've, you've maybe disappointed someone, you've offended them, and you're not quite sure how they're going to respond. And even if you know the relationship's good, it's, it's humbling. And it's easy to let things come and then just sweep them. They come to mind, you just sweep them out of the carpet. But we do that. We just go ahead. 
We, we give the money to help someone or we give it to the kingdom cause even when it's a stretch. That's what it means to follow Christ. Or we take the next steps, the next specific steps to reach out to those who don't yet know Christ that are around us, to try to have a conversation with them about who Jesus is. Now, that, that can be scary. We, we may need to just step out and meet people and help them uh, get connected to them so we can help them know Christ and come to him. There's an emptiness that accompanies the faith that's just talk. It's bland. It's stale. That's what John's telling us. A real emptiness. If our version of Christianity is all in our head, then we listen to people, we talk about God, and we learn a language. You know, we learn a certain language, but you know, that language is not important to God. What's important to God is um, knowing Him, what He's told us to do, and doing it. This is what God wants. This is what He desires. We attend group studies, we discuss the faith, we just read the Bible, we learn what God wants, but we don't ever do anything if we have this kind of Christianity that's all in our head. God wants more than that. He wants us to step out. There's a strong pull in our culture to learn to give the right answers and then do nothing. That there's just, that's the way we're used to that. You know, we've been to first grade, we go to second grade, then we go to third, we're just trying to give the right answers just so we can get through this thing. <laughs> so there's, there's a strong pull in us to do that. That's not what Christianity's like. To come here to learn the, the right answers. It's to do the things that please the living God who made you. That's what Christianity is all about. Something that's going on right now uh, in our um, culture is what they call click activism. Click activism. One man called it slacktivism. <laughs> um, you go online, you sign uh, online petitions, you post activist comments, or uh, on your online profiles, you, you stir it up. You're active. You're making things happen. And it, it can feel like you're really doing something. And it's not bad. I'm not putting that down. We need to actually engage online. That's something we need to do. But it's... It's also a way that if we're not careful, we avoid getting involved in the lives of real people. And what Jesus did is he put on flesh to get involved in the lives of real people. And that's what his followers do. So we have to guard against living in an online world these days. Jimmy Kimmel had a comment about it. He was having fun with this, and he commented about one kind of easy activism. He said... It's literally the least you can do. You almost did nothing, but instead you did slightly more than nothing. <laughs> I like that. Certain issues in our world need media attention, and we need to get involved. That's one way to do it. But what John is saying, that it, there's more than that. You've got to love indeed more than a click. <laughs> more than click activism. Uh, even beyond our internet post. He says, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and truth. He, he wants us to do stuff to love the people around us. We're all tempted to li live an easy version of the faith. 
But that doesn't really stretch us. It doesn't require much from us. It's easy to get stuck in your own world. But God is going to keep calling you and nudging you to step out into the world of other people. To stretch yourself, to put yourself out there. And so I want us to stop as we wrap this up this morning and think through what God said to you this through this message. If he's spoken to you, then I'd like you to take a moment and talk it over with God. Um, Lord, maybe you say something like, Lord, I've been trying to play it safe and stay within my own comfort zone. And you're calling me to step out. I want to step out. I want to do what you're showing me to do. So I'd like to wrap up the message today a little different. I'd like to ask the band to come up. And they're going to lead us just instrumentally in a little bit. I'd like to give you some things to think about. But as I wrap up the message today, uh, if you would, please take out your connection card again that you find in the program. And if there's anything you need to fill out on there, fill that out. Uh, Or if there's next steps that you want to take. Uh, I have some suggestions. Maybe God, as I've been talking, using different examples, maybe something's come to mind that you need to step out and do as a result of hearing what God says in his word. But um, anyway, think that through in a moment. And then when the offering comes around, you can drop the card in the offering. We'd love to know what God's led you to do. So my, my next step today is here are my suggestions. Pray for courage to step into action. Second one, take a step out this week that requires the most faith for you. And we've included in the program the uh, handout that we had the first week. It gives all kinds of suggestions. You may not need that as we take the time to go before God and consider the message this morning. But uh, look that over and circle the one or mark the one that is going to be the biggest step of faith for you that you think God wants you to take this week and then take it so maybe circle two or three one on that if you need the help if you don't just let's take some time to go before God to reflect on what he said and then to commit to stepping out and doing what he's told us to do I'm going to pray and then we're going to take the time to think it through father we thank you for your word that's so clear and that gives so much guidance. I thank you for the way that you work in us. And I pray, God, that you would, you would give us the power to take the steps and that you give us the power as we're taking the steps and that you would show yourself to us over and over again as we follow you, which you're so faithful to do, God. I'm grateful for that. We ask for your help to walk by faith and to find the life that's in you that way. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen.